Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back to the Geared Ashley Mullet Show. This is Geared Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado on Sunday, October 17th, 2021. This is episode 166 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, season three, episode 231 of the podcast overall. And I've just read for you most of Philippians chapter four in the New Testament. All I left out were verses 21 through 23 with the final greetings. But I want to talk about a number of things that Paul is saying here, which bear pondering, which bear study, which bear contemplation, and more to the point, application. But first, the weather. And when I say the weather, what I mean is that I'm feeling a bit under the weather. This past week, <clears throat> temperatures were a bit cooler than usual. And the first three days of the week, I spent a good deal of time outside in the wind, in the cool. And I think in and out as I was, in and out of the cold, I ended up 
getting something or I'm just not feeling quite right. Hot and cold and hot and cold again. I'm just not feeling quite okay. So it's funny, and I've talked about this before, but it seems as though when the weather starts to take a turn and when you start to feel under the weather physically, there's a feedback loop that can be present, that can be meddlesome, that you have to contend with, wherein your emotional state, your mental state, your spiritual state also goes up and down a little bit, at least in my experience. When I'm not feeling well physically, feeling sick to my stomach or achy or fatigued physically, it's easy for there to be a similar sort of emotional feeling. When you're feeling physically great, it's easy to feel emotionally great. When you're feeling physically not so great, it's easy to feel emotionally not so great. But I think, too, it can work in the reverse, and I don't know for sure, for sure, which it is, whether I am being anxious for a number of things. I know that I am being anxious for a number of things, but whether in my being anxious for a number of things, I'm not feeling so great physically, that's a possibility. Or maybe I'm not feeling so great physically, and that's contributing to feeling anxious about certain things. It could be one, it could be the other. But I was thinking about this passage this morning, whichever is the circumstance, because I happen to believe if I can get my thinking right, that will at least not make feeling unwell physically so bad. It'll take the edge off, if you will. Paul says to the church at Philippi, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Guard your hearts and minds from what, we might ask. Perhaps getting discouraged. I feel as though some of the episodes I've recorded here recently, the past mm, four, have been a bit heavier. And even before those four, I've been talking a lot about conflict because I've had some conflict. I've had some conflict at work, which has been trying has been anxiety producing, which may or may not be resolved. I'm not sure. And even that uncertainty has me feeling a bit of extra anxiety, being unsure of what to make of situations inside and outside of work. It can be difficult sometimes to hand interpersonal conflict over to the Lord particularly when you think about what Jesus says regarding conflict resolution. And I think that's part of why I've been trying to grapple with how do we manage conflict well? What is the biblical mindset? What is the biblical attitude that we should have with regards to managing conflict? I'm trying to grapple with that because when I hand it over to the Lord, I don't want that to be 
an excuse on my part for passivity or disobedience. Here's what the scriptures say. I'm supposed to go to this person privately, but I don't want to, again, because I'm being proud and stiff-necked. I just want God to fix it. How's that going to work? Or, I really want to go talk to this person again. I really want to just, you know, figure it out. Work it out. They're not interested. I want to go again, but perhaps it's time to go to the next step in what Jesus says about conflict. Or, perhaps this person is a dog or a swine and... I'm not supposed to cast my pearls before swine, and I'm not supposed to give to dogs what is holy. And shame on me for maybe not differentiating carefully enough. So then I'm going in disobedience there, and I'm casting my pearls before swine, and of course they're going to trample them underfoot. And of course they're going to try and tear me to pieces. That's exactly what Jesus told us to expect. So... We come again to Philippians 4 because it's on my mind this morning and I'm trying to meditate on it and I'm trying to use this podcast for one as a vehicle for meditating on this passage but also for another thing to be of as much use to you, the listener, as I possibly can be as I am trying to grapple with these things because I know that I'm not the only one who grapples with these things. I know that these are not unique problems that I'm suffering from, as though nobody else suffers from them. And there's a comfort in that for me as well. But all the more there's a comfort if I can approach these things in a way which helps others to approach them well. If I can have a good testimony and set a good example and encourage you by being real, by being honest, by being transparent to the extent that good taste allows, wisdom permits. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, verse 4. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? What does Paul mean here? The Lord is at hand. Does he mean Christ is coming back again soon and we need to set our eyes on that? Well, I think that's got to be part of what he means. Christ is coming back soon. Imagine whatever difficulty you're in right now, just imagine to yourself if you knew that Christ was returning in about 30 seconds or in five minutes, how that would change the way you perceive the temporary nature of whatever the frustration, trial, difficulty is. 30 seconds? I can wait 30 seconds. Five minutes? I can wait five minutes. That's fine. You know, this is actually something that's talked about in the Marshmallow Test, this book I read in recent years. It's sitting on the shelf, on the wall, above the window, in my office at Jackson Lake Gas Plant. A very smart-looking office, by the way. It looks fantastic. needs a little bit of paint from where I filled in holes where things were mounted on the wall. Too many things were mounted on the wall from my liking. I moved those up to the loft storage area where I set up a secondary workspace. 
alongside the storage for our instrumentation, electrical components, tubing for pneumatic, control devices, electrical. But my office looks very smart. I have a shelf on the wall on which I've put books that I've read, which I think contribute greatly to the insight I have on the business side of my duties. Because we're all in the business of business. If you have gainful employment, even if you're managing your home, we're all in the business of business. Inputs and outputs, debits and credits. You're trying to get accomplished what your objectives are with a certain limited amount of resources, time, energy, money. And so in my case, I'm just an INE technician. That's all I am. But if I want to be the best INE technician I possibly can be, I shouldn't just be an INE technician. For one thing, as a Christian, I have to work as unto the Lord, which helps immensely, by the way, when the people you're working for or otherwise would be working for, if you're working, if you weren't working as unto the Lord, when the people you're working for sometimes don't notice you going above and beyond, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, patiently enduring, trying to think more holistically, paying attention to details, being efficient, being honest, being a person of integrity, working as unto the Lord has to mean that I'm more than just an INE technician. I'm doing more than just taking care of instrumentation. I'm taking care of people who are made in God's image. And the instrumentation is a means to the end of that, as I told the managers, the four managers I interviewed with last Tuesday. But besides that, from a people standpoint, the instrumentation and electrical components are somewhat spendy. They're a little bit expensive. They cost a little bit more than people would perhaps expect. Usually electrical and control items, instrumentation costs are in the hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars per each, not the tens of dollars. And so you have to think, or at least I feel a responsibility to think, am I buying materials for the best possible price? Am I getting good materials? If they cost a little bit more than that over there, is it worth it? Are we saving in the long run? Is my employer for whom I'm working for, for whom I'm working as unto the Lord, being well served by the choice I make here on what to recommend or what to procure, what to install, how I install it, how I configure it. But I have these books on the shelf about how to handle conflict, how to be self-controlled, how to become a master at whatever it is that you're trying to master. A skill, for instance, being an INE technician, for instance, how to be a master INE technician, for instance. And one of the books I have on the shelf is The Marshmallow Test because I think self-control is very important to any successful venture. Self-control is imperative when it comes to resolving conflict, building trust, working together, developing a strong culture for a strong team, developing skills in yourself, 
being excellent as an individual and as a group and as an organization, as a company, being successful hinges on self-control. And so this Marshmallow Test book talks about how you can visualize sometimes the reward for delayed gratification. And it makes me think of what Paul is saying here. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Suppose he literally was at hand. He's that close. Like literally, you reach out and touch him. He's that close to coming back. He's coming. He's here. Or to take it another way, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, even now as we speak, in victory, not in defeat. He's not in the grave anymore. Resurrected. And the world thinks that's foolishness, by the way. But what if they're wrong? What if they're wrong and he is resurrected and there is resurrection for the dead in Christ, for those who are in Christ? Well, then the foolishness is on the part of those who disbelieve and reject that, not on the part of those who believe and accept and by God's grace are adopted into the household of faith. And so the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. About anything? About anything. Anything? Anything. You sure? What about that egotistical micromanaging boss you've got who wants to change everything without any consideration or perhaps sometimes in some cases with consideration of what would bother you just to try and assert dominance, just to let you know that he can, and all the while claiming it's got to be that way for the business. But he can't, can't quite articulate how or where or why, and in the absence of a better explanation, it would seem the reason is because he needs to feel like he's in control. Well, there's a whole lot of things that people do that are not appropriate or not ethical, that are not right, that are actually not good for the business when they're trying to be in control or feel in control. But see, that's a two-way street, isn't it? And we have to remember that because that's one of the very dangerous byproducts if we give in to anxiety. And I mean that. I really mean that. It's a very dangerous thing to give in to anxiety because if we're not submitting everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to God with a view to the Lord being at hand, then the ways we go about trying to comfort ourselves and secure ourselves may get twisted. And if we're working as unto the Lord, the ways we try to protect ourselves, the ways we try to comfort ourselves, the way we try to relate to other people around us, or whether it's grasping or it's giving up on grasping, if we despair, we get discouraged, very quickly we can find that we're in the exact same circumstance as those people who are disturbing our peace. We started out well and we found ourselves in conflict because we were trying to be faithful and now we're going to try to complete in the flesh what it is that was begun in the spirit as Paul writes 
to the church at Galatia. Foolish Galatians, he says. And the question, if I may paraphrase, is how's that going to work? It's not. It's not going to work. There's the answer. (laughs) It's not going to work to finish in the flesh what it is that was begun in the spirit. Let your requests be made known to God. And of course, God knows your requests, but there's an element of this which is important for the sake of humbling ourselves before the Lord. To ask God is a way of us recognizing in our own hearts and minds that the decision is the Lord's. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking about this. And I'm thinking to myself how difficult the economy looks right now. You know, let's suppose, for instance, that a lot of people, a record number of people, according to things I was reading several months ago anyway, all at the same time decided through COVID that they wanted to quit their jobs and they wanted to find new jobs as soon as the economy picked back up. And there's a term for this. It's called the Great Resignation. And I did a podcast episode on this subject per the request of a LinkedIn news curator back in June, June 17th, episode 79 of this season, 144 of this podcast. And one of the things that really stood out to me as I've thought about this over the past four months, thereabouts, actually four months to the day, because it was June 17th that I published that one. Today is October 17th. One of the things that has stood out to me is that when everybody is leaving their jobs about the same time and you have supply chain issues and you've got COVID vaccine mandates and mask mandates, there's a great deal of uncertainty, a great, great deal. And then you add inflation concerns because the federal government is printing money like nobody's business. It is very easy to look at the situation and be overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. More to the point. Let's take this out of the theoretical. I am overwhelmed looking at it. And I'm looking at my current employment situation and I'm thinking, you know, if I wanted to do something else, if I needed to do something else, if the company fell on hard times and decided, Garrett, you are the weakest link, goodbye, or you've stepped on too many toes, you've upset the wrong people, you've done a great job of cleaning things up to where we're okay with just doing the bare minimum to maintain these things from here on. Or we'll have third-party contractors do this work from here on. Or we can we can have one person who handles call-outs and the rest of it, we're going to just contract it out. But we don't need you anymore. Thank you. And for all I know, this is already in the works. Could be, might not be. But I wonder if it is, just honestly. And I look at the broader economy, and I think in this area, nobody's paying quite what I'm making right now. In part because I think there's so many people out of work. Yes, there's so many jobs, but there's so many people out of work and supply chain issues and inflationary concerns and economic uncertainty and tax rates that are slated to go up and vaccine mandates. What would I do? 
could I find another job in a timely manner, which paid enough, which wasn't just being desperate? Could I find a job where it's going to be a good fit culturally? My personality is going to mesh with the other folks that I'm working with, at least decently. My schedule is going to be such to where I can be involved in church. I can be involved with my family. I can be there for my family. All these questions, all these things, which I know in some measure pertain to wisdom. And I know that I have a responsibility as a husband and a father to provide for the needs of my own household. And that the scriptures say, a man who does not is worse than an infidel. But oh, ho oh, ho, you're entirely right. If you hear that and you think to yourself, well, yes, Garrett, but there's a limit. There is a limit to that, right? That's not a, you know, that's not an expectation that if something outside of your control happens, it's all your fault. But again, that's part of why I'm trying to think about this Philippians 4 passage, because if anything, I am likely to worry about those matters which are outside of my control because I'd like to make them under my control and I'd like to be able to anticipate them. I'd like to be able to know what it is that might happen and skate to where the puck is. When it comes to opportunity, hey, I can take better care of my family if I change this up, if I rearrange it, if I optimize it. Yes, I want to be the best INE technician I possibly can be. That's why I studied the business stuff, but I have ambition to be more than an INE technician for the rest of my life. And so, aha, oh, look, I could scoot over there and do that instead. But note verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have to believe a couple of things when I read this. For one, I'm not there. I am not there just yet. But for another thing, I need to be. I'm not there, but I need to be. I'm at point A, and that's point B. The peace of God, which surpasses un- which surpasses understanding, which sur- surpasses all understanding. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard from what? Well, from my vantage point, getting discouraged, getting overwhelmed, getting stressed out, my chest starting to ache a little bit, right about the place where my heart is, maybe literally guarding my heart and my mind. My brain stops working quite as well as it should. I get halfway through a sentence and I just blink. I'm just not sure what it is that I was going to say next. What was I saying? What's the word? What's the rest of this thought? Whose line is it anyway? (laughs) We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't freak out. Don't panic. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You know, I I read this and I think to myself about how do you know? How do you know when you've done that? How do you know when your reasonableness is known to everyone? Well, the short answer is not everybody's going to admit that you're being reasonable, but you have a responsibility to let it be known that you are reasonable. 
to the best of your abilities, insofar as it depends on you, a strive to live peaceably with all men. If you are being reasonable, that's a good testimony. If you're freaking out all the time and overreacting and getting discouraged and you're blanking out because you're stressed, because you're anxious, then that's not a good testimony. Not so much. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You and I both know that's a difficult task sometimes. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. One of the things that I'm thinking, and not to sound super spiritual, because I don't want to be pretentious or disingenuous, because I don't think that benefits you, and I don't think it particularly benefits me either, before God or man. But one of the things that I realize when I'm looking at this and I'm trying to be honest about point A, where I'm at, point B, where this is, how to chart that course. One of the things I'm realizing is I'm not spending quite enough time in prayer. And this can be taken the wrong way and it can be told to people in the wrong way. You go to somebody for counsel on a difficult issue and you're looking for advice. You're looking for practical advice. And they want, because they're a Christian and you're a Christian, they want to pray about it. And they want you to pray about it. And I'll be honest with you, very often when I hear that kind of feedback, when I'm looking for actual counsel, it doesn't feel like counsel. Pray about it. Help you. Pray about it. Be warmed and filled is what I hear. I don't know what to tell you. And I don't particularly want to extend myself to help you. So let's just pray about it. We'll throw some pious sounding phrases out there so that I feel like I did something, but what I really want is for this to just go away and not worry about it anymore. You know, it's interesting. I look the latter half of this chapter. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. That right there, that verse 10, where Paul says, he recognizes, he affirms, you do care about me. I know that you do. I know that you love me. I know that you would have helped if you could have. I know that you would have because you have helped me before. Verse 14, it was kind of you to share my trouble. So he has been helped, but he says they had no opportunity. What can I do? I don't, I don't know what I can do. There's nothing I can do to help you. I want to. I'm very sorry this is happening. I'll be praying for you. If there is something I can do, please let me know. But sometimes that's all there is to it. Sometimes all that can be done has been done by us. And in that case, what benefit is there in being anxious? And what benefit is there in being miserable. The Lord is at hand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's oh 
K that sometimes there are limits to your understanding and past those limits is where you'd like to be. I don't understand as much about my current job situation, for instance, as I would like to. I don't understand as much about my job prospects as I would like to. Where is this going? Do I have a future here? Is this headed for a terminus shortly? Do I have a backup plan? Do I know what else I would do? I don't know. And I don't understand the answers to those questions. I just don't. And maybe better men would. But then again, maybe better men wouldn't. Maybe what better men would do is abide by the advice that Paul is giving here in Philippians 4. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known. So from a relational standpoint, laterally, horizontally, you and the folks around you, you don't understand everything that's going on, but you do have a reputation for being reasonable. That will protect you. You don't understand all of what's going on, but vertically, you're resting in the fact that the Lord is at hand and he cares for you. Verses 8 through 9 as well. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What are you dwelling on? And and again, I'm going to argue the point because this is where my mind goes immediately. This sounds like the power of positive thinking. This sounds like pop psychology. This sounds like name it and claim it to some extent. If you would just think happy thoughts, you'd be able to fly like Peter Pan in the Spielberg treatment of Hook we watched last night. Find your happy thought and you'll be able to fly. That's not quite what this is. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, whatever, anything. Anything and whatever you can think of that is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think about that. Focus on that. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and the God of peace will be with you. So two successive paragraphs conclude. This is not just the power of positive thinking. This is also how intent are we on thinking rightly about God? Are we intent on giving God the chief place in our hearts and our minds? And without seeming overly Pentecostal and charismatic and continuationist, Peter asks to walk out on the water with Jesus at one point, which is a remarkably audacious thing to ask. You see Jesus walking on water. He's the son of God. Can I join you? Uh, okay. But Jesus tells him, come on out. And there's a storm and all of that. And Peter starts 
and he's doing it. And then he starts looking at the storm and the waves and he sinks because all of a sudden the trouble in life was more real than God. It seemed more powerful, more enduring, more sovereign than God. And this is not a guilt trip. This is not a, how dare you think that the troubles in life are as serious as all that? No, 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 no. Again, let's make this personal instead of general. Is God less powerful than the people I work with, the people I work for at present? Suppose they do decide they want to replace me with contract labor because third-party contractors are ever so grateful and are happy to kiss your ring in a way that in-house folks are not <laughs> are not going to. You know, that was half the point of coming in-house instead of being a contractor yourself is you were tired of kissing rings and the game. But if that happens, that I lose my job, I'm laid off, I'm terminated, I'm driven to the point intentionally where I'll self-terminate because that's perhaps the idea, the ambition. Are those folks who are trying to decide what to do with me more capable, more powerful, more able to do what they will with me than God is? What do I think? What do I really believe there? Because it will have an effect on whether I'm anxious overly, excessively, whether I pay attention to these things in the proper proportion, the proper way. If I lose my job and I have no backup job and nobody's calling me back, nobody's responding, nobody's interviewing me, I'm stuck. And we find ourselves in dire straits financially, which could happen. I'm not going to lie to you, that could happen. I don't know. God only knows. But if it does happen that way, and I did all I could, and despite my best efforts, we find ourselves facing hunger and need, like Paul talks about in verse 12. If we find ourselves brought low, like he talks about in verse 12, is God any less good or sovereign? God forbid. What do I really believe in that moment, truly, in this moment, I forget being there, just at the prospect of it going there. What do I truly believe? Can I say I can do all things through him who strengthens me? Can I say that? Verse 13. Can I have the gracious attitude towards others who genuinely do care, like the Philippians? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You know, it almost sounds like sounds like he was struggling with that too. These people, I thought they cared about me, but they seem to have forgotten about me. They seem to have forgotten that I exist or that I'm struggling or that I'm having a hard time. You revived your concern for me. I am rejoicing. I'm celebrating in the Lord greatly that now at length. It took a while. It took a minute. <laughs> I thought you guys completely forgot about me, and I think you did. Now at length you have revived your concern for me. You indeed were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And maybe that's what it is, right? 
if we can stop freaking out, stop being anxious, we start thinking rightly. Paul recognizes that the church at Philippi helped when they saw an opportunity to help. And then when it looked like it was outside of their power to affect Paul, to affect situations and circumstances and conditions to his benefit, they wanted to, but because they couldn't, they kind of tried to forget about it. We do that, right? You're driving, and this seems like more and more of an issue in Greeley, probably all over the country, I don't know, maybe Colorado and states that have legalized marijuana more specifically, but you're driving and here's somebody or a couple of somebodies on the corner with a cardboard sign and they are panhandling. They want you to give them some money or something. There might be their story, whatever. Anything would help. And what is it that we do? We try not to look at them. Try to intentionally avoid looking at them when we're not so sure we've got any cash or that cash would actually help them. And what I mean by that is this person looks pretty rough. For all I know, they've got a drug problem. They've got an alcohol problem. They are emotionally disturbed. They might have a criminal background. I don't know what their issue is. And what I've heard from Eastern Montanans for most of my life is, why don't they just get a job? Well, it sounds very simple and straightforward. You, who've lived in this community your entire life and for generations, who knows everybody, try being an outsider in this community and see how quickly people step up to get you a decent job. We're not talking farm laborer, part-time, when it's convenient to clean the windows on the tractor for a little bit, a little bit of money. We're talking job, like decent job. You and I both know that more often than not, when we see a panhandler, we try not to look at them because we feel embarrassed and we feel conflicted. We're not sure we should help or we're not sure we can help really, truly. And even in the case of Paul, right, they had helped him before. But once his needs outstripped their ability, their means to help him, they kind of just wanted to avoid reminders of that. So verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You know, Paul writes that. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And again, point A and point B. I'm at point A and that's point B. And I'm not there. I'm not quite there. But I think this, I think verses 8 and 9, and that thinking on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, is a really solid prescription that includes, but is not limited to, God's character, God's promises, God's faithfulness, His purpose. That includes, but is not limited to, the Lord being at hand. That includes, but is not limited to, letting your reasonableness be known to everyone. Not being anxious. 
in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. That includes all of that and more. And I think these days, if you're looking at the macro like I do, you're looking at the news, you're looking at headline after headline after headline. And on every front, in every imaginable way, we, the mighty, America, are being brought low. And there are implications on the micro. When I go into the diner and they say they are out of roast beef and jalapeno poppers and curly fries and onion rings, when I look at job postings, which I am, by the way, and I'd be a fool not to, whatever lectures some might try to give me about you can't just jump around from job to job every two years. When I look at job postings yesterday and I see that two out of four that I would have put in applications for or at least considered might have been a good fit, two out of the four at the very top say they require all candidates to be vaccinated against COVID-19, fully vaccinated against COVID-19 in order to be considered. That's when you realize that the macro is at your level. It's impacting your details, your personal life. Obviously, I didn't apply, but it's a sobering thought. And yet, the greatest macro possible is that God is sovereign He rules and he reigns. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We work as unto him, not for men. His word is true. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I got to leave it there. As I said, I'm feeling a bit under the weather this morning, but you can pray for me. And I hope what I shared is an encouragement to you. I get myself another cup of coffee, try and take it easy today, try and stop being under the weather, whatever this is, whether it's in my head or it's the result of being out in the weather, under the weather, literally, so much this past week. But as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.